Oh, okay. Silent crack, but welcome back, everybody. <laughs> this is this is the Faultline Podcast. My name is Alex Davis. Joining me is a quiet beer can and our esteemed editor, Tommy Flanagan. A frozen beer can. Hello. Yes. And, and this week, slightly different. Um, essentially, we're all taking holidays at funny times. And uh, we would be leaving you, if we followed our usual rule of all three attendants, um, you know, there'd be a, a like about a month gap so so this is a, a little filler one Rafi is on holiday heading up to scotland i'm quite jealous and uh yeah it's been it's been a fairly busy week for us but um a slow news week tommy you were saying yeah so yeah kind of grateful that anger um filled in for the for the lack of news but yeah no Rafi today so i guess this is the this is where we we find out that our views and our ratings fall off a cliff without him <laughs> but um yeah, so anyway, yeah, sat through maybe, I don't know, six hours of anger sessions this week and, and to be honest, feeling uh, pretty uninspired. Um, but yeah, I'll be interested to uh, know how your first anger was, Al, because I've, I've been to a couple and I'm um, uh, interested to know whether it's tempted you to attend the real version in Cologne, maybe next year. It is immensely German. Uh, I, I think I quip <laughs> to you, it would be really nice if I could filter out the... Uh the non-english panels i mean if if you're a german firm i guess it's good to see that you're getting so much you know uh, domestic attention i'm not sure if the austrians and that bit of switzerland are also covered but um yeah like it, it seemed fairly technically minded which was decent but also not all that much like pure video uh coverage i don't think there was anything like the technical seminars that you might find at ibc not that i saw Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i'm glad you said that because it it kind of uh seems harsh to criticize a german event for being too german but that is exactly (laughs) what it was i mean at a time where it's never been easier to create something that's global and all-inclusive it was something that quote felt quite uninclusive about the first ever digital angercom and the scope of content was quite narrow and it was massively fiber heavy and there were not enough non-european voices and i don't know just um, as i said in one of the, the pieces this week it smacked of a bunch of industry veterans who were just itching to get back to normal proceedings and drinking free cocktails i'll be the first to admit that i'm looking forward to, <laughs> to to the free booze and the canapes but at least put a bit of effort into it you know particularly as anger had well over a year to plan for this considering it didn't even bother with a virtual event last year so i'm not sure um what they've been doing but um anyway that's that's the ranty part over so um among all all of that um i did actually find one uh angercom session that i particularly enjoyed although it's a little bit off topic from our usual focus and it's probably something actually that our colleagues over at rethink energy uh will know a bit more about than us but this was um a presentation from smart dtv global which is the set top maker about sustainability specifically about making the set top box more environmentally friendly and now the poor old set top box has obviously got its fair share of abuse over the past decade or so a lot of it coming from us admittedly but the carbon footprint of the set top isn't something we've really taken into account before but these are really quite power hungry and really I don't know, inefficient machines and the simplest answer to the question oh how does a 
uh, major operator reduce the carbon footprint of its set-top footprint would be obviously just to, to vaporize the lot, get rid of every single set-top. But from a business standpoint, that isn't really feasible. So what Smart DTV advises first is for operators to look at the life cycle management, talking about um, monitoring the various stages in the cycle from the sourcing of materials to the manufacturing, to how the device is distributed and how it's used in the consumer home, the power consumption, and then on to the end of life um, how easy it is to, to take apart and recycle. So to gauge this, it uses a tool to monitor CO2 equivalent emissions of devices during the manufacturing distribution stages. And uh, the presentation gave the example of a single set-top producing the equivalent of 9.25 kilograms in CO2 throughout its life cycle. And from that total, the actual set-top life was 5.75 kilograms of uh, equivalent CO2 and the remainder of that is from uh, accessories and packaging and, and things like that. So then we move on to the uh, stage where you, you're trying to make an operator is trying to make changes and the the, uh, the company breaks that down into three parts. So first, uh, a good place to start is reducing the size of the step top. Obviously, re removing the set top entirely is an option, but shrinking it is a good place to start as well. And that stems from conversations with operators about how to optimize the components and ask the questions like, do we really need that many LEDs on the front of it? Or are this many rear panel connectors really necessary? And apparently these operators are being really quite responsive to those kind of questions. And a lot of them are targeting a 30% reduction in environment, environmental impact from each set-top generation to the next. I haven't got anything to compare that to, but it sounds like quite a good percentage, I think. And um, the other two parts are uh, alternative materials, looking at recycled plastics and things like that, and then the packaging. So where years ago, operators would splash out on these big, garish and glossy uh, boxes that were just grossly oversized and to make their product look as expensive as possible but companies now like smart etv are pushing for a return of the simple cardboard box so i warned you that we'd go a bit off <laughs> the technology track i'm talking about cardboard boxes on a technology podcast so i should mention that the set-top industry is learning uh quite a lot from the mobile industry as we see in, in quite a lot of um, areas of of video really and as this is an industry where loads of R&D has gone into improving battery life in mobile. So that kind of rolls over to the set top with um, um, CPU and GPU and peripheral controllers being optimized for power consumption and efficiency. And on a final note, um, Smart DTV mentioned that having good hardware is pretty meaningless without having suitable middleware to support it. So they gave a big shout out to Google for building very nice technology to quote into Android, particularly for dynamically activating extra CPU cores and GPUs as required while maintaining system integrity. So Google getting a bit green there. But I think the overall message is that if the set-top industry can make these active um, environmental sustainable changes, then you can too, no matter what industry you work in. It was quite refreshing to hear something like this, particularly um, at a show like AngerCom. Yeah, no, that, and I, I just switched from Virgin to BT, so um, I've got some anecdotes about that. But just for our imperialist friends, the, the nine kilo is about 20 pounds. And if you really want to envision like the footprint of that, just think of the set top and then next to it, you know, that set top might weigh half a kilo. So 20 set tops equivalent of just raw lump coal and just burn that in your house. <laughs> like If you ever want to just like, you know, have a, a kind of visual aid, um, it's that kind of thing. 
but no, yeah, I'm I'm surprised how small this little BT box is. But Virgin were a bit clueless about recycling. <laughs> um, I mean, we all know that the plastic stuff tends to end up in landfill anyway. But e-waste is a big old problem. I know a lot of it just gets shipped out to Asia um, and then just gets torn apart by yeah very poor people in horrible conditions. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, reduce is is reduce, reuse, recycle, and yeah, as you said. Um, put it all in this in the smart tvs yeah i've, I've been um um doing a bit of litter picking in my spare time as a hobby during the pandemic so that's i don't know reflected a bit in uh in fault line it's going a bit green <laughs> <laughs> yeah. green green fingers um yeah no i'm um, so sticking with the anger theme really like we're just an informal chat about it um we, we sat through a bunch of these events and um the one thing that i took away from the panel I tuned in for, which was about content strategies and how, how pay TV can win the OTT game, um, is that everyone was very polite. And there was one slip of the tongue that clued me in that it was immensely scripted, um, that everyone was sticking to a set formula. And it was, it was when the host, um, just made a slight mistake calling a, a Susan, a Sonia, and nobody batted an eye. Everyone knew who was talking next. And um, like it, it was fine as a presentation. But just, yeah, you've had all this time to, to prepare. No Q&A. Common gripe, right? Just let us, let us have some mechanism to ask people. Because it was a bit strange. Like all these very polished speakers um, clattering through their points. But then having people saying that they agreed, but providing, like, conflicting uh information um so the the idea here was like the main takeaway was that and it was quite nice to hear because um there was a, a bloke from swisscom subsidiary blue entertainment um he was called wolfgang el sasa and he, he said um that the the pay tv operators will continue to suffer and it was like almost the opening salvo so we're like oh brilliant yeah we're on the same page um and like blue's quite interesting if anyone knows uh of, of another example please please get in touch but i think they're the only operator that runs a cinema chain um so that's in switzerland so that, that that's quite interesting but blue has this you know position that you, you the pay tv guys are gonna have to be ott aggregators so your set top your smart tv app has to aggregate content from you know third parties uh, and that's the only way that you're going to survive. Uh, so we had a bunch of different kind of people weighing in um, from sort of a, a fairly wide spectrum. Um, we had uh, Pro Siebensat, um, who who was saying that, oh, um, you know, don't worry too much because the actual percentage of young people who never watch television, it's it's a minute fraction. You know, it's it's 10 to 15 percent of uh, you know the the 25 to 29 year old bracket. Um, and then the next speaker from uh, from uh, Virgin in the UK, which of course is now wrapping up the Telefonica, um, drops out and says, "Oh no, it's about it's about half half of all you know under thirty five year olds don't watch TV." And just because of the way that the the event was set up, they were just rattling through these points. Those are two like incredibly conflicting statements that you can't really explain by just saying, "Oh well, one's operating in Germany, one's operating in the UK." Um, those are things that should be fairly common across a European demographic, but they're just immensely different. And because there was no live audience to just ask for the clarification or nobody's sitting on the same stage, you know, making eye contact when they say things that it was all a bit, it was a bit jovial, very polished and they just sort of flew through it. Um, so yeah, just, (laughs) we're sort of beating a dead horse, I think, moaning about live events. Um, but I mean, the the other sort of takeaways here that they were saying, 
you know you've got to invent in invest in in premium content it's got to be live it's got to be relevant to your to your readers this might be a a more sort of prevalent concern outside of north america but a lot of the european countries um and also you know apac and and not so much latin america but the idea that content has to be sort of local to be relevant so you know in germany it would have to feature german celebrities to be of interest to young people in germany because they can get their global content needs elsewhere because of you know english uh, speaking and, and subtitling so there's a an angle there that these speakers were making was that if you were local you could have something that was distinct because obviously hollywood can't can't do you know german election coverage or german football coverage um so so that was that was one big takeaway uh, and the other was just that the um emergence of uhd was sort of coming to the fore uh, and again just like conflicting stats there um about sort of the prevalence of it and the need for it um but the the fella from virgin was saying that uh in the uk there'd been a big old spike in tv sales uh, about 75 percent increase uh, for the year and that nearly all of that was uhd uh, and and speaking of beating dead horses um i just want to emphasize that they don't mean uhd they mean 4k <laughs> oh um yeah it, like anger it was use it was useful it was good to see and there was some interesting stuff in it but if it was live if we were there i think it would have been much more confrontational um which is good because that's kind of what we're meant to do meant to yeah get people talking yeah script, and yes yeah that similarly the, there was a a wi-fi um panel and there was uh a, an inkling of a, of a debate about to start about whether access points are, and extenders are here to stay or whether the arrival of more advanced routers um would would wipe them out and which is something we've been keeping an eye on and there were two vendors sort of arguing different points but they're if there'd been a live Q&A session, then we would have fueled the fire and it would have started a great debate. And instead, we've had to take that away and, and turn that into a fault line story. So go go and check that out. That was um, featuring air tyres, of course. Mm. Well, just on that point um, as well, if if the operators are concerned about carbon footprint, just adding mesh to the system is, is interesting because that removes all the generational improvements from sort of power efficiency from the the main gateway you're just plugging in like a you know a five watt device that's going to be on all the time I mean, if the main gateway might be you know nearer the hundred mark those mesh things are still like you know if you had three of them that that's wiping out a generation of progress um <laughs> and if, if you really want to spend a fun a fun uh afternoon buy yourself one of these uh plugs that will tell you the the power draw um and just plug it into your like your media cabinet um and just flick it on and off and and you'll be surprised how many watts are just getting pulled by devices that you know are as off as you can make it without turning them off at the wall um you can go hunting vampire draw is what they call it uh so yeah unless you're you're a masochist and you enjoy you know waiting for your set top to boot up all the time um you know there's a really nice equivalent for cars everyone moans about cars being you know out of use for 95 percent of their lives like um, the set top figure is not all that much different <laughs> we really have got off piece this week that's what happens yeah. when raffi's away it's got to keep us restrained keep us yeah. honest <laughs> so um yeah that that was anger i guess tommy is there anything in the worth noting that, that we should have a look at well, yeah, I thought I'd leave the Technicolor one for you, given your current um, work. So um, I'd like to bring up quite a funny one that 
every year they do this um, American Consumer Satisfaction Index, which I'm sure most um, listeners are aware of. But this year, the Uverse TV service, which AT&T is in the process of palming off to private equity ownership, has ranked number one. And it's mm-hmm. been boosted by 6% since last year. And bizarrely, has, has been ranked number one. So from that, we can conclude that AT&T is clearly cursed. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I believe that one. Um, but yes, if if it's if it's true, then yes, everything AT and T touches it's the opposite of Midas, isn't it? Yeah, um, something rotting and decaying instead. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, okay. So yeah, no, as you said, um, Technicolor um, has said that it's put out 20 million RDK broadband gateways um, since it began sort of its its deployment of RDK B in 2016. Um, So RDK has recently said that it's passed a a milestone of 80 million devices. Um, So (laughs) this this would then imply that RDK's total success um, is about 25% of total shipments. And given that RDK is kind of positioned to this premium flagship kind of set-top operating system environment, um, having 25% of the shipments be kind of boring gateways uh, it's not a great look. Um, and then similarly, the 80 million count is like suspiciously close uh, to what Google said about active Android TV deployments. Um, so, of course, the Android figure is going to be higher because that's not counting devices that have shipped and are no longer active. Uh, and, and yeah, we're, we're still on, on bad terms with RDK. Um, I, I don't know if we want to hash that out here. <laughs> but, um, we should probably do a dedicated podcast um, episode on that one, I think. Yeah, the RDK pylon. Yeah. Um, or, or, or <laughs> what not to do if you're a PR firm. Um, but yeah, the, the the story there is just a bit strange. And, and RDK, like, don't want to speak to us. We've, we've managed to get a few kind of touch points. Um, but it's, yeah, like I said, it's fairly damning. Um, if like the main goal of this thing is meant to be for you know providing the next premium video you know user experience, um, I don't know. It's a bit like having an, an amazing car and then you know using it for the school run or something. <laughs> it's just, yeah, two car analogies in one episode. This like is crazy. Like <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I'm going to go work on my car later, but that's another story. We will not diverge that far. Um, sweet. Right, next week. Yeah. What are we doing next, for following eight nine five? We have hopefully a catch up call with a company called Instreamatic, who we interviewed maybe eighteen months or so ago. So uh, revisiting what those guys are doing in voice enabled audio advertising. However, the call has uh, is clashing with my first COVID vaccine next Ooh. week. So hopefully we can get that rescheduled and we'll have a story for you. Good stuff. All right, then head to our website, rethinkresearch.biz, where you can check out Faultline with a free four-week free trial. You can have a look at the Rethink TV exec summaries there for your forecasting market research needs. Um, leave us a review, if you would, on your podcasting app of choice. Spread the word, tell tell a colleague, and uh, yeah, send us some juicy goss, if you can. I'm going to start asking for tips uh, at the end of these, I think. Yeah. But, uh, Alrighty then. Thanks very much, Tommy. Um, we'll see you probably in a couple of weeks. Uh, Rafi should be back. And Rafi, if you somehow hear this while you're away, enjoy Scotland. But bye-bye, <laughs> everyone. Bye. Cheers, all.